Hello, fellow writers! You have found Catherine's Corner of the Scripturian Society, where we discuss specific books from the writer's perspective. Here with me, Carissa, aka Lewis, aka Catherine, we discuss the writer's side of reading to analyze some of the specifics that makes a book work or not work on a literary level. Today, we're going to be doing a bit of a shorter episode because I have been on a writing kick lately and haven't read much in a while. <laughs> I think this is going to turn into a bit of a love letter to classics and maybe a regurgitation of my English literature degree, but I am going to talk about it in the general context of a specific book, and I'm going to give you some practical long-term overall tips for improving your writing. However, this means there are actually going to be no spoilers, so whether you're a writer here for advice or a reader here for more content on a book you loved, welcome. I'm not going to get as specific as usual, but I think there are still some good tactics to consider in Paradise Lost by John Milton. I feel like most people know what Paradise Lost is, and very few people have read it. <laughs> this is mainly, I would assume, because it's epic poetry, and we're going to talk about that, but first... A few initial details. Paradise Lost was written in 1667, making it older than America, by John Milton, who was an English poet. He believed in yet had criticisms toward the church, church with a capital C, and Paradise Lost is not only considered his best work, but one of the best works in English literature. It was written during a really turbulent, important time in history, and I could go into that, but I won't because it's a lot. So much informed Milton's writing of this book, from familial conflict to theological conflict to a strong belief in freedom of the press and no censorship before, as I said, the United States even existed. There are a lot of literary criticism theories out there, and a common one is that you cannot fully understand a work unless you understand the environment in which it was written and the person who wrote it. So the first thing I want to say to you writers out there is that it is impossible to write a book that isn't influenced by you and your environment. Now, some authors come pretty close. Jane Austen wrote Pride and Prejudice and Sense and Sensibility and her whole body of work when Britain was at war with basically everyone and the French Napoleon revolutions were going on. That's a lot of stuff. And yet you would be hard-pressed to find any of those realities making their way into her writing. Unless you realize that her whole purpose was to write books that specifically denied these things so people could escape that reality. She essentially created a fantasy without any magic. And so the fact that Pride and Prejudice is what it is, is still due to the environment under which it was written. Paradise Lost is the same. Your book will be the same. In some way, whether you're commenting on or getting away from it, you will be influenced by the political and theological and other factors of the world you live in. And that's not a bad thing. My advice here is to realize you are inevitably going to do this. Don't let it take you by surprise. I talk a lot about writing the universal, and I stand by this. I still think it is true and possible regardless of time period and region and all of that kind of stuff. But the perspective will still have a perspective. <laughs> so be conscious of your environment and your own opinions about it so you either shy away from revealing it in your writing or are doing so with purpose. I mean, shying away from it entirely is going to be really tough and probably not useful. But if you want to go a Jane Austen route where you specifically don't talk about things, you can do that. If you are going to talk about things, do it on purpose, with purpose. You can use your writing to explore what you think about it. Maybe you don't know yet, and so you want to use writing to discover what you think about it, but that in and of itself is still a purpose. So 
be aware. So one of the reasons Paradise Lost is such a classic is because it embodies a lot of the traditional aspects we look for to analyze English literature. Um, First off, there were religious inspirations. Basically, anything written west of the Middle East, and even many things written there, will have been influenced by the Bible in literary references, if not in theme. This is almost unavoidable, since every region across the world has a religious history, even if it's not Christian. So again, be aware and make sure you're saying either what you want to say about the topic or saying nothing about it at all. Really, I'm trying to be clear about this, really it's going to be impossible to take it out entirely, which is why various stories written by a Chinese immigrant or an Israeli citizen or the average American are going to be inherently different, even if all of those people were given the same prompt. But know that that worldview is there, so you're not just parroting back propaganda, but being thoughtful in the way you write about topics and themes. That's your job as a writer, and you're allowed, by the way, to believe your point of view is right. In rhetoric, there's this logical fallacy called the origin fallacy in which people will argue that because you grew up with a certain worldview, it can't be true. The idea being that you only believe it because it's familiar, not because it actually makes sense. But changing your mind doesn't inherently mean you're closer to the truth. If you've changed your mind in the past, recognize that some people out there originally grew up with that point of view you changed to, and you would argue that they held the correct opinion. Milton, as far as I could tell studying him, was a Christian, but simply believed there were problems within the church's particular practices. He wanted to go deeper than most religious people thought was proper at the time, so he wrote Paradise Lost. Now, it's fiction, so it's not that he actually believed what he wrote is what occurred in the Garden of Eden, but he believed in the points he was raising. And it is okay, as a writer, as a person really, to believe you are right, why else would you believe what you believe? Your job as a writer isn't to minimize this for popularity or feel-good vibes or mass market appeal. Your job as a writer is to make your point. Support the themes you're trying to bring up with rational and emotional story context. Be thoughtful, thoughtful in the way you write about the things you believe to be true. Don't hedge. There's really no place for that in writing. There's a place for doubt, and there's a place for questions, and there's a place for conversations, depending on the purpose of your story. But there's not room for hedging. If you believe something, write about it. And don't feel like you have to be ashamed of your original culture to be fair and rational in your thoughts about it. Let your region and time period and original culture inform you. See if you believe it's actually true on any point. You can change an opinion. You don't have to. It's a fallacy to believe that that's what's going to matter. What matters is if you can back up whatever your point is with thoughtful storytelling. That's really just what an English literature degree is, by the way. It's just you can have whatever view you want as long as you can back it up. It's just about critical thinking skills. So strive to do that when you are writing as much as you should be when you're reading and don't hedge. The same way Milton doesn't pull punches on anyone in Paradise Lost. He he really doesn't. I always read Paradise Lost as a scathing kind of critique, only it doesn't come across that way because it's really beautifully written. It's almost like a layered thing. Um, So another thing Paradise Lost has, aside from its beautiful writing, but playing into that, is the fact that its form is epic poetry. Now, I said before, I think this is why people don't read it as often, and I stand by that. Poetry is daunting, 
especially because in Paradise Lost it doesn't rhyme. <laughs> it's more about meter and rhythm, which makes it difficult to A, speed read, which I do and a lot of people do, or B, understand as a chronological story. It's a commitment to read epic poetry. It's a journey. It is long and includes a lot of extraneous details because the original purpose of epic poetry was oral storytelling. Storytellers were supposed to showcase their memorization skills and aid their memorization skills with long lists and particular meter rather than with exciting story. It does often turn exciting, but that's not really the bulk of it. I don't think Paradise Lost was ever in the oral tradition. It came too late. Even at the time it was written, it was already a throwback. But that's the origin of its stylistic form. Some other epic poems would be Gilgamesh, the Iliad, Beowulf, Dante's Inferno. And these are all, at least for me and for a lot of people who aren't poets, hard to get into. Look at their adaptations. They rarely adapt the whole thing. They leave out the lists and the descriptions and they add stuff. They, they really only keep like the battle sequences and the action. The story is there, but just the bare bones. Epic poets cared about the small details, and so as our tastes as a society changed to more concise and shorter and our attention spans changed, so did the popularity of epic poetry. But I actually think that's changing again. A few years back, if you'd asked me if epic poetry was going to come back around, I would have said, no, it's a relic of the past. But we have a sort of second wave coming around in the form of novels written in verse. Now, these are different from epic poetry because epic poetry has a certain sort of hero and a rough plot synopsis to follow, plus it has to contain lists and more episodic journeys and a bunch of other traits that are particular to genre rather than medium or format. Novels in verse are much broader and typically much shorter, but they are gaining traction. They sort of take everything people used to love about epic poetry and condense it down into a quicker, harder-hitting read. At least that's been my experience. Long Way Down by Jason Reynolds, Anything by Ellen Hopkins, Shout by Laurie Halse Anderson. These are really thought-provoking books. They are not to be taken lightly. Epic poetry was meant to be a culturally relevant expression, an expression of culture, and exciting. Novels and verse seem to be more about illuminating a certain particular point of view and establishing empathy for it. I think the trend started with Ellen Hopkins, but that might just be that she was my first exposure to it way back in the early 2000s, but whoever started it, it's coming around. Of course, literary movements are always in flux. They come back around just like fashion. But I think as novels and verse become more popular, so does a sort of renaissance return to reading the classics in a similar style. So the epic poems are coming back around. Uh, I, I don't mean this to just be word vomit of my English literature degree here. I do love to talk about this, but that's not why you're here. So this is my point with all this. I think writers should try their hands at poetry more often. Even if you plan to be a full-fledged novelist, writing epic fantasies rather than epic poetry, or contemporary novels rather than novels in verse, I think testing your knack for poetry can only be a good thing. You don't have to end up writing an entire novel in poetry. You don't have to publish a collection of poetry. You don't have to let anyone ever see it. Because you might suck. I myself am really hit or miss with my poems. But it will teach you. About rhythm, about meter, about word choice. Writing poetry... Forcing yourself to pick every word with care and sometimes rhyme helps you understand the flow and rhythm of prose as well. Poetry as an actual skill is 
I think, really rare. But being good at poetry isn't the point here. I'm saying that learning about it and really trying your hand at it will lead to good things for your writing in general. Sure, maybe you do end up writing an entire novel in verse like Ellen Hopkins. Maybe you find you're good at it and make it your thing. But worst case scenario, you use it to improve your writing behind the scenes by understanding how word choice and rhythm play into prose as much as poetry. I think reading or rereading Paradise Lost can be a good way to start this. It's not something I can tell you. I can't really analyze it for you. You have to do it yourself. Just immersing yourself in the book will improve how your brain interprets and understands the rhythm of the written word. Because the written word is different than the spoken word, which is why speech writing is different than novel writing. You're essentially training your brain to find patterns so it can create its own later when you read poetry. That's what you're doing. You're learning by osmosis. I find that when I'm reading or writing poetry, whether or not it's good, um, the stuff I write, the stuff I read is pretty good, my prose writing just becomes much smoother. And you may not find that that's the case, but it's something to try out if you're struggling to find your voice or a style. Poetry is meter and rhythm, but really so is prose, just in a heavier, wordier light. The words still have to sound good together on the page. So test that and see if it helps. I'm stopping myself while I'm ahead, while I'm at a stopping point, because I could talk about this for a really long time. Uh, we are almost done. I only have a few more points. I told you this would be short. But I want to talk about how Paradise Lost, this is my opinion, is sort of the origin story for the villain origin story. Its premise is essentially the devil's perspective on what happened in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. And I want to say it was the first book that took a traditionally villainous character and attempted to explain their behavior with something we could all understand and empathize with. Of course, villains have always existed, even villains as the point of view character, but this was an already hated character we were given in a fictional attempt more background on. This works on a religious level, even though a lot of people were upset about a positive portrayal of the devil at the time, because at the very least it forces you to think, and on a literary one, if at the very least because it forces you to think. If nothing else, Paradise Lost is a fascinating study in motive, and I think as the rise of novels in verse happened and people read more epic poetry because of it, Paradise Lost may have been the fundamental subconscious catalyst for the subsequent rise of villain origin stories. I think they happened one after the other. When you return to the originals, they create their own mini literary movements, kind of like fairy tale retellings. And unless I'm forgetting something obvious, I'm going to hold that the villain origin story originated with Paradise Lost. That's that's what I'm going with. So it's also useful if you're struggling to find unique inspiration or you just don't like any of the tropes or trends going on in the industry right now to perhaps return to the classics for ideas. Not necessarily in a retelling sense, but in a trope sense. Read the Bronte books or Poe and return to the Gothic, whether British or American style. Read 1984 to broaden your dystopian perspective. Read anthologies of fairy tales to get inspirations that are rarely retold. The classics are classics for a reason. But how many people really read them? There's a quote by Mark Twain in which he says, A classic is something everybody wants to have read, but nobody wants to read. So looking for inspiration in the classics is not going to lead to predictable writing. It's not going to lead to overdone ideas. A lot of readers aren't even going to recognize the original in your writing. It's a cool Easter egg for someone who does, but they're not all going to get it. You can 
take plot points and character inspirations, but also themes from classics and expand upon those in the now-changed world. See, the classics are a great place to mine ideas, in part because they're not as widely read as people think, but also in part because you are so far removed from the 1800s, the 1400s, even the 20th century, that your version on their trope or trend will inherently be different enough to be unique. You will execute it differently. Even John Milton let himself be inspired by the epic poets of the past. I know, sometimes classics are boring, but not all of them. Find the one you're interested in and give it a read. I I personally recommend Paradise Lost. (laughs) Alright, that's all I have to say on this. Um... Hopefully I gave you some good ideas to improve your inspiration and flow, but if not, at least you now have English literature knowledge you can never get rid of and carry on to your children. (laughs) No, but seriously, Paradise Lost is a good read. If you take it in steps or don't pressure yourself to read it the way you read novels, I understand that not every book is meant to be a hard hitter, like Paradise Lost or Crank by Ellen Hopkins. I do. You may want to write sweet romance or just a fun murder mystery. But the better a writer you are, the better those will hit for readers too. There's no such thing as too much skill in writing, so keep improving. Even if your theme isn't life-changing, it is there. Even if what you're asking readers to think about is a love story rather than a severe moral quandary, that's still prompting thought. So know what you want to do and strive to do it well. Read Paradise Lost. (laughs) That being said, thank you for listening and I'll see you on the next page.